Welcome to A Life in Biography. This short episode is going to be about a biography I did not write. I actually had a contract for it, uh, but it came too soon. Uh, it came shortly after I wrote my two-volume biography of William Faulkner. And I realized that taking on another major author immediately uh, in a complete comprehensive biography uh, was going to just be too much. Uh, I was already thinking about whether I should write another biography at all. I'm 74 years old. I was a few years younger then. Uh, and a two-volume biography of William Faulkner seemed a good way maybe to uh, end my career. I never conceived of stopping writing. That wasn't it. It's just that it takes such, such stamina, such concentrated discipline and obsessiveness to deal with a figure like Faulkner, that to take another figure uh, in many ways just as large and comprehensive. Uh, well, it spoke to my ambition, but I felt like I couldn't do it justice, at least not then, and I, I doubt that I'll return to it. Who was this other author? Herman Melville. Um, I was going to call the biography Herman Melville, A New a Biography. I've used that title once before with Amy Lowell. And for some of the same reasons, with Amy Lowell, A New, um, there had been several biographies, although none within the last 40 years. And I felt that there were certain vital things missing from an understanding of both her life and her work. And so it seemed a natural title to come up with. It's not quite the same with Herman Melville, about whom even more has been written. Uh, nevertheless, as you'll see, I'm going to read, it's just a couple of pages. It was a very brief proposal for a series of biographies that were going to be published on um, modern figures, 19th and 20th century figures. And I thought with the Melville biography, I would be tackling an interesting uh, biographical problem, uh, which I deal with briefly in this brief proposal for a Herman Melville biography. Um, it's the only proposal I believe I've written which begins with a photograph. And the photograph uh, I took was on uh, Park Avenue South, East 26th Street. And there's a sign there that says Herman Melville Square. <laughs> well, there is no square. There's just this little island, if you know Park Avenue South in Manhattan. There used to be on 26th Street a classroom building that I taught in at Brook College. Um, and I, I'm, I start my proposal uh, with some allusion to this photograph. So why don't I just read uh, a couple of pages here so you'll get the gist of what I was thinking to do uh, in the biography I, in fact, did not write. For seven years in the 1990s, I passed the sign naming a square which, in fact, does not exist. It is just a sign in the vicinity of a house 
where Herman Melville lived, a house that is no longer there on the street where I taught in a high-rise classroom building. For nearly 20 years, after his early fame as a writer, the disastrous reception of Moby Dick and the decline of interest in Melville's work, he went to work as a customs inspector in the port city of his birth and early upbringing. I often wondered as I walked past the street sign what it was like to have been hailed as a literary phenomenon and then ignored and forgotten. Out of the realm of public scrutiny and acclaim, Melville continued to write fiction and poetry, but his biographers, with the exception of Herschel Parker in his monumental two-volume life, have treated the second act of Melville's life as a melancholy, slow death of a career that had begun with so much promise. Even Parker, however, has a problem, one that biographer John Madison identified at a recent meeting of the Biographers International Organization. I wrote this in 2021. I can't remember whether it was the meeting in 2020 or 2019. Madison dismissed the idea of doing a Melville biography because of the falling off, the half-life, so to speak, that makes a narrative inevitably anticlimactic, depriving the biographer of a satisfi satisfying arc to the story. Uh, let me read that again. Madison dismissed the idea of doing a Melville biography because of the falling off, the half-life, so to speak, that makes a narrative inevitably anticlimactic, depriving the biographer of a satisfying arc to the story. Well, actually, there is a, a biography, uh, and I interviewed the biographer and wrote a review of his Melville biography that's in progress by John Bryant. It's going to be a three-volume biography, and it's called Herman Melville, A Half-Life. So he's quite aware of the problem, which probably makes the biography I was going to propose superfluous, although there are always differences between the way one biographer and another biographer handles the story. Anyway, I said in the next paragraph, the solution to this narrative problem, oh, and one more thing about narrative problems. When I decided to do my Faulkner biography, one of the things that dismayed me about virtually every Faulkner biography is they said, well, he really had this great period, 1929 to 1942. And although no biographer quite put it this way, it's as if after 1942, it's all downhill. Uh, I didn't think so. And I didn't think a biographer should say that. I, you know, I can take issue with literary critics who say that about Faulkner. But I felt what he wrote after 1942 was of intense interest and importance, and it should be treated that way and not in any sense dismissed Plus, just as in terms of a tactic, what do you do with readers when you tell them, well, you know, after 1942, uh, it's not going to be as good as it was before 1942. I just, I just thought there's so much passion in the later Faulkner and so much difference there from the early Faulkner that I had to, I had to find a way to tell that story. And I, and I think I did, partly by breaking up the chronology in my two-volume uh, Faulkner biography, and treating it, uh, that life and the writing, particularly the Hollywood writing, in a very different way uh, from that of any other Faulkner biographer.
But I digress. Getting back to the Herman Melville biography I was thinking of writing, I say in the third paragraph of this brief proposal, the solution to this narrative problem is to begin at 20th Street, 26th Street in 1866, when Melville began working at the Custom House and when he published Battle Pieces and Aspects of the War. Even in Parker's voluminous work, the social and political context of Melville's obscure years, the end of the Civil War, and the changing nature of the country which now employed him as a clerk has not been the focus of much biographical interest. I have to stop again. Why am I thinking about Melville right now? It's because I'm about to finish reading, and then I will review a book called Up From the Depths, which is, a, in a sense, a dual biography of Herman Melville and his biographer, Lewis Mumford, uh, a great interest of mine, too, about whom I, I, I write in my biography of Joe Craigie, who was much taken with um, uh, Mumford's writings about the city and, and modern architecture. A Changing Nature of the Country, that's partly what Up From the Depths, this new book, uh, deals with. So again, the work that I think I, I uh, uh, anticipated doing, uh, I think may have been or come close to being fulfilled by other biographers who have seen some of the same problem, in a way. Parker's voluminous work, The Social and Political Context of Melville's Obscure Years, the end of the Civil War and the changing nature of the country which now employed him as clerk has not been the focus of much biographical interest. His family traumas, a son's suicide, if it was indeed a suicide, that's up for discussion, and conflicts with his wife should not overshadow his steadfast, courageous effort to work every day and maintain his visionary conception of literature. Virtually every member of his family doubted his genius, and yet he persevered in one of the most painful but also inspiring lives in American history. Now, I might have changed that sentence if I had read John, the first two volumes of John Bryant's biography of Melville, in which he talks about one sister in particular who, who did understand that her brother was a genius, and that the Melville family, in fact, was much more invested in Herman Melville than my proposal here uh, would suggest. Virtually every member of his family doubted his genius. As I say, I would modify that sentence now. And yet he persevered in one of the most painful but also inspiring lives in American history, not just American literature, American history. As Robert Fagan noted in a review of two Melville biographies, Melville justly remains one of our culture's heroes, which I think is partly what's going on in this new book, Up From the Depths. Beginning at this point in the biography, I go on in my proposal, when Melville no longer had the attention of the reading public, explaining what was at stake for a writer who never ceased to innovate in his work, no matter the upsets of his later life, will draw new readers to Melville as the strands of his personality and the themes of his fiction and poetry emerge. The beginning of the biography also situates Melville in the place of his birth, New York City, and early education, 
providing a natural transition to the conditions that shaped his sensibility. Subsequent chapters will pursue the major themes of Melville's life and career, focusing on certain contentious issues, a lifelong battle with manic depression, the nature of his actual experience in the South Seas and how he transformed it in his early fiction, his sexuality and treatment of sex in his work, his relationship with the reading public and publishers of his day, why Moby Dick, his masterpiece, received such a poor reception, the reasons for his later obscurity and his reactions to the decline in his literary reputation, his fraught family life, his turn toward poetry, and the creation of a final achievement, Billy Budd. Each chapter written in full awareness of previous biographies, I include an annotated bibliography in the proposal, will explain how the central episodes of Melville's life have sometimes been underinterpreted in Parker, for example, or overinterpreted in psychoanalytical narratives. Restoring a sense of Melville's hu full humanity and artistic greatness, exploring his deep doubts about human nature, his lows and his highs, and his understanding that a commitment to literature remained his only viable way of surviving and even triumphing over adversity will overcome, I believe, the debilitating narratives of previous biographies. Again, uh, I'm sure I would have written this proposal differently if I had had John Bryant's work in front of me when I wrote it and, and also this new book, up from the depths, you can be uh, anticipating reading that in a review I'll, I will be writing in the next few weeks for the New York Sun. Thanks for listening.